It's timely. It's insightful. It's motivating. It's empowering. It's time with Fred, your inspirational broadcast with host Fred Gaddy. Sometimes the reason God doesn't show up to win our battles is because he's already placed inside of us the power to end it. Shannon L. Alder. Hello and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Time with Fred podcast. This is a podcast that challenges paradigms and mindsets that hold us back. With me today as a special guest is Michaela Cox. Michaela has a very powerful story about how she was able to overcome some of life's challenging battles. And I'm going to have her introduce herself briefly here. But if you're tuning in to the first time, you can hear this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Pandora, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Michaela, thank you for coming on the Time with Fred podcast today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. The pleasure is all mine. Michaela, and you have a very uh, inspiring story that you call 38 Triple D. Yes. Can you tell us what 38 Triple D is all about? Yes. Um, it is not what you think. <laughs> um, it is what I've used to describe my life experience and journey of going from much tribulation to thriving in all things to include lifelong disability of legal blindness. And then I got divorced at 26. And then um, at age 38, um, I had lost the husband that I, well, I remarried after divorce. And so we were together for 12 years and then um, we lost him in 2017. And I've been a solo mom and a widow ever since for the last four and a half years. And I'm an author and I'm a speaker and I like to share what I feel like, yes, it's been challenging and hard, but like you said, we're given things for a reason and lessons and learning and wisdom and truth. And so if I can pass mine on to someone else along their way, then okay. It has a purpose. So what motivated you, uh, Michaela, to take your story out to the world? Because a lot of people who deal with trials and tribulations such as yourself, one of two things happen, right? They either get shut out or shut in by the trials and tribulations and they just get stuck in life. And there are others like you who decide to take their stories out to the world and share it and, and impact the lives of people. So what inspired you to take your story out there, um, you know, like you're doing right now? I always felt like it was something that needed to be shared, um, especially the disability and the story behind that in and of itself. But with the latest, most recent D of death of my husband, um, I find it's helpful in your own grief, but then also for anyone who is traveling the journey of grief, it can be a very difficult and lonely place. And you're searching for someone and anyone that you can relate to and help you through your own. And a lot of times it is a lonely journey. So you feel like you want someone to do it with, but you don't want anyone to have to go through it, but you're still feeling like you're alone in it. And so I figured I could share mine and it might help someone in theirs and not be so stranded per se. <laughs> so how does one deal with, I know you, you, you make this sound all too easy, Michaela, but I know it wasn't for you. I mean, dealing yeah. with disability, um, the, you know, the divorce that you went through followed by the death um, of your husband. I mean, how, 
how far apart were all these instances? Well, of course, you know, the disability was probably something that was part of you, right? But how, how far apart were the divorce and the death of your... Um... Uh, my disability was from birth. I got divorced at 26. And so that was in 2005. And so I met my second husband in 2005 as well, but he died in 2017. So it was, I guess, 12 years later. Yeah. And so when you were dealing with all of these, you know, not one trial, but the second and the third, uh, how did you cope with all of that? And, and what did that do to you, your psyche, right? Because it's, 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 it's hard enough going through um, divorce, right, or separation, um, then coupled with the death of your, of your, of your husband, you know, after, after the, after you separated um, from the first, how did you cope? With that, what did that do to you? A lot of things. Um, <laughs> I learned a lot early on in life because of the disability. And I feel like because of the disability, I had to develop a lot of different coping mechanisms or tools or, you know, things to help me adapt and adjust. And it did help with the disability. But what I found is, even though my tribulations and struggles may be different from someone else's and vice versa, and they bring us to different places, but it's still tribulation. Now that's not to discount what one's is over the other or what you're going through. But what I'm trying to say is it's still tribulation as tribulation is tribulation. And how you overcome that is the same, whether whichever one you're overcoming. So the things that got me through the disability and that I learned at an early age, I already knew how to do. Now I'm not saying that made it easy, but I, it was kind of like muscle memory. I already learned how to do the skill set. So it was in place to help me when I went through the first really difficult, hard, you know, tragic first marriage and then divorce and then losing my spouse. Now, did I have to learn new things and adjust to each new tribulation because they're different in their nature? But I still had the skill set and the ability in place to say, okay, this is what I need to do now. And I know you're, you're, you're a person of faith uh, and you talk right. about that in your interviews and in your books as well. And as people of faith, it's, it's, it's very tempting, I must say, uh, when you go through some of these life tribulations to, to begin to question your faith and especially, you know, one tragic event after the other, not one, not two, but three. We all get to that point where we ask those why me questions right did you ever get to that point where you you questioned your faith and, and perhaps trying to negotiate some of these things and asking some <laughs> why me questions not really question that i was saved or my salvation or my faith in and of itself but i've been doing a lot of arguing there's been a lot of lengthy in-depth conversations you know and discussions i know i won't win but i've been having them nonetheless over the last four and a half years so you know i'm no different from anyone else i'm not any more perfect than the next person i'm just as flawed and imperfect and have my struggles and I've had plenty of them, but, you know, and I'm not here to say I have all the answers, you know, only God in Christ has all the answers, but I do feel like when we do have things in life or we learn things in life and we're given messages or stories, maybe we're supposed to share them to help other people. So that's what I'm willing to share with people is what I've gained and what I've learned, you know. Yeah, that, that's a really a good point. What was it that convinced you um, that God still God still had you in the palm of His hands, right? What what convinced you that 
he was still there for you. And I ask this question again because there I know people who just <clears throat> walk out right when when they run into situations like that, and um, you know, it's like no, you know, I think this is this is it, right? And, and they abandon their faith um, some for for a while, and then they come back. But what convinced you that um, in spite of all that you went through? that he was still there for you well even before i was a christian as far as on my own choice and this goes back to the disability he was with me from birth because well he always is his you know our his creation but in my case specifically and this goes back to the disability as i was saying i was originally born blind totally blind like i had no vision at birth and then at seven months old even though my vision is in fact impaired and legally blind at this point And my family and my story of origin, per se, we believe that there was a miracle done at seven months old in my life, because even though I was born totally blind, I was granted my sight. So I see the fact that that was an influence in my life early on proved that. And I knew that story my whole life and I was raised in it. And as far as why I didn't walk away completely later on, you know, in the last four and a half years of, you know, post uh, the death of my husband, he's always had me no matter what the tribulation was starting with my disability, starting and then going into all the things that came with it socially and academically and just everything as a child and a teenager in college. And then, um, cause it's permanent, it's not going anywhere. There's nothing they can do for it. I will never have a breath or a day that I won't take where it's not been totally whacked out vision, (laughs) totally jacked up. But, um, and I've been doing it for almost 43 years. So, you know, by God's grace and, you know, and hard work and dedication and determination, I think I've done pretty good. You know, there's only a few things I can't really do, but, you know, I work hard at it, but he's had me through all of that. And then I knew once I found out the news of the passing of my husband, he was, I could still see his hand at work and I could see his, still see his protection and I could still see his grace. I mean, it was hard and I didn't always want to because I kind of wanted to be stuck for a little bit. <laughs> it kind of was for a little bit, but there were still signs. There were still indications that even in the midst, in the midst, sorry, of this really horrible life storm per se, there was still something there that was holding it together and holding me together when all I wanted to do was really quite honestly fall apart and disappear. Um, but I was still here and I was still standing and I was still able to do what I had to do because my kids at the time, we did have two children and they weren't the youngest, but they're not the oldest. They were three and six when their father passed. So, I mean, on the heels of finding out my husband was dead, I got four hours of sleep and I got up and made breakfast and got my daughter off to school do what I had to do. So you, you, you touch on a, a very important point there, uh, Michaela, and that's the, uh, that's about perspective, right? Um, that even in the midst of the tragedy and the trials and everything else that you're going through, you still saw his grace. You still saw God in, in several aspects of your life. And, and this is where it gets tricky for a lot of folks, myself included, but sometimes we become so blinded uh, by the challenges, right? The immediate things that we're going through that we fail to see his grace or we fail to see that silver lining, if you will. Um, and I've got to a point myself, and I've shared this in a number of podcasts, uh, Michaela, that, you know, 
some of the basic things or the things we take for granted, I won't call them basic, but the things we often take for granted, like waking up in the morning and uh, the ability to see, right? The ability to talk, the ability to walk. It takes having a conversation with someone who was born legally blind or who is not able to see or who doesn't have the perfect, perfect vision or someone who is experiencing, um, you know, some, tra- some type of physical ailment with our impaired mobility in some part of the body for us to realize that it is a blessing we may not have X or we may not have what we want or we may have been let down supposedly by, by life. But then on the other hand, there are so many other things that we can become, um, that, that we can be grateful for. So in the midst of trying to negotiate for the things that we don't have, we end up missing out on the opportunity to become grateful or to express gratitude. And and we've come to expect that some of these things are so automatic, right? The fact that you go to sleep, you assume that you're going to wake up. Uh, you assume that you're going to be able to take that next step. You assume that you're going to drive out to work and you're going to drive back home safely. We assume that we're going to live to see next month or next year or the next five years or the next whatever, right? But how important is this perspective in life um, or how important was this for you, um, for you to experience that in spite of, all that there was still a lot to be thankful for i know it wasn't easy but but how yeah. how how did you how did you cope with that or how did you get that perspective like i said i think a lot of it came from early in life when i you know a lifelong disability and you kind of grow up with it in a way of speaking and then you use it later and then you use it again because you've already developed that skill set and that tool set and i felt like it was the only thing i could do in that moment you know in a way of speaking, in a way of looking at it, it was the only thing I could fall back on in that first, you know, few months or moments and days and weeks and, you know, so on and so forth after yeah. being literally in a blink of an eye put in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what are some of the lessons, uh, Michaela, that you share with, with your audience, uh, when you speak or maybe some of the lessons in your most recent book that, that you share with, uh, with your audience? Um, the last five, I guess it's five, maybe it's six. I forget. Sorry. Um, I write them. I don't memorize them. Um, <laughs> um, I talk about one of the lessons being, um, I don't know if anyone in your audience uh, follows contemporary Christian music or may have heard of the group. I'm a big music fan. Music's a heart, a huge part of my life, but um, need to breathe um, yes. washed by the water. Yes. And in that moment, I didn't know that what was going to happen or how it was going to play out or what was going to transpire or what was next. But if nothing else, I knew I was washed by the living water and I knew where my husband was and I knew where I would be going eventually. And I could rest in that knowledge of that salvation. So that's one. And then I've learned over the course of the last four and a half years, um, he's forever on my side. And so are some really good, strong type of friends I have who are forever on my side. You know, grief can be a lonely journey, but it doesn't mean you have to go it alone, although it can feel lonely. And that's an important distinction that I don't think is necessarily talked about or realized necessarily. Um, that was one. And then another one I talk about as far as at the end of the most recent book is, and this is really hard to do, but you have to realize when you're going on your journey of grief, it's your journey and your journey alone. No one can tell you how to travel it, especially if they've never traveled it. 
And so we don't need to be worried so much about if we're traveling it the way that suits everyone. No, I don't think so. It's my journey. You've not lived it. I'm traveling it the way that's best for me and my children, what I got to do. And we need to be okay in that. And we need to be comfortable in that new place of this is right for me. And it doesn't matter if it's right for anybody else. There's no instruction book. There's no manual for this journey. There's not. Good luck finding it. If you do, please send it my way because I'd like one, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'd love one, but, you know, I've been kind of winging it. But so I had to get comfortable in knowing that I'm going to do what's right and best for what I know to do in this moment and for my children. And it doesn't really matter what anyone else says or agrees because they're not having to do it. And I'm the one that has to, and I'm responsible for it. And we have to be comfortable with, yes, it's not the life we thought we would have or wanted or hoped for or as hard, hard and painful as that is and everything that goes with it. But then we need to be okay with trying to find a way to design our new one. We're here for some reason I'm still here. So I might as well design something and not waste the time. And we only get one shot at it and you might as well live in the moment because we've learned quite well that you may not get another one. So what I are you like gonna that do? outlook. I, I really do. I, I really do. Now you talked about grief, Michaela, which, you know, I recently uh, lost a close family member and. I'm sorry you, you to hear that. About, yes. Thank you. You talked about the fact that, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure it out your, your way. Right. I mean, there is no manual for it. Everyone experiences grief uh, very differently. And I'm sure the folks listening or watching us who, you know, may have may have experienced some loss or some grief uh, in their lives, and maybe there's some who are probably just dealing with it right now. And if there's anyone to speak on that, um, uh, you know, it's you, you've seen you've you've seen it, you you've dealt with it, right? What what would you say, um, you know, based on how you dealt with it? And of course, that may not work for everybody else, but in, any words of comfort for someone who may be experiencing grief or loss right now? I don't know about words of comfort because the things that you want to say, you learn aren't necessarily the case. And sometimes they're very infuriating answers, even they're true and you're yeah. not what you want to hear. Yeah. But as far as how I've navigated the waters, this is what I would tell people. For me, it's always going to be my faith first and foremost. Yeah. That was it. Um, and this is applicable to all three of the D's, um, the disability, divorce and death. I have always chosen to say, life is a choice. I can either be defined by my circumstances that I didn't choose them. I didn't ask for them, but they were given nonetheless. It's kind of like a being dealt a certain hand, you know, you know, a hand of cards or whatever, when you're playing a game and whatnot, you may not choose those cards, but you can choose how you strategically play them to achieve the goal of hopefully winning that game. If you're any good of a card player anyway. <laughs> so I don't get to pick what's handed to me, but I am in control of what I do choose to do with it, meaning that I can either be defined by it or I can define it. And I've always chosen to define it for myself and define my life for myself to the best of my ability, of course, you know, and have the attitude of um, it is what it is. Let's see where it can go. Let me do my best, not quit, not give up, not stop and not let it stand in my way and be persistent and tenacious and persevere and thrive and be determined and strong-willed. Some people would say stubborn, probably too stubborn, but okay. Points of views, you know, you know, whatever. And then do what I've got to do and get it done. I, I love the, uh, the relation to the car, the analogy there. And actually there's one quote that I love so much. Um, and it's by the late French philosopher Voltaire. And it says, and I quote, 
Each player must accept the cards life deals him or her. But once they are in hand, he or she alone must decide how to play the cards in order to win that game, end quote. And this is one that I love. Actually, it's my, it's in my quote collection. Reaction to that. I know you just talked about it, but I thought- That's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the questions that I, I, I often ask um, Michaela, my, of my guests, is, is what he finds them. And I ask this question um, just to see, you know, what, how, how they find, and I know you've talked about your faith here, but uh, there, there are so many different answers, great answers that I've heard from, from my guests about um, what defines them, right? What keeps them going, what's get, what gets them up. And I know you've talked about your faith because that's, that's your, your very strong in faith there. Yes. Um, anything else that, that defines you that, that you can, that you want to share? I believe our choices define us in the sense of if we choose one thing, we'll end up going one way. And then if we were to choose the opposite, it would take us in a different direction. And life is really just a collection of a, a collection and a cumulative effect of the choices we make. It takes based off of those choices we make, it takes us a certain direction that leads us down the path of whatever journey that's going to eventually lead to the destination. And so that kind of defines us is the choices we end up making, what comes out of it. Um, I would say that's a defining factor of people's lives to include mine. Um, sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's for better or for worse, but it is in fact what shapes us, you know? And then I would say the other things that have helped me along this journey is mindset. And I think sometimes the mindset that we choose to have can be defining in the sense that whichever one we choose can put us on a path as well and how we look at life or how we perceive where we're traveling is based on our perspective in life, which we do choose, which sometimes is harder because the mindset and our mental capacity and what comes into our thought life isn't always in our control. <laughs> it can be pretty, you know, in and out and, and shifts quite frequently. But even though that's true, once we have our thoughts and feelings and we've done in a healthy way, hopefully what we need to do with them to process and keep going, we get to choose, do we want to stay with what type of thought process and, and mental ability? Now, is that always easy? No. I Some days I'm at a more, okay, this will be okay spectrum. And sometimes like, you know, this really freaking sucks. Like this ain't cool, <laughs> you know, or whatever. But then it's up to us to decide which way do we want to keep ourselves going. So I think our mindsets can define us or at least define the way that we're headed. Um, I think that's important as well as far as defining who and what we're going to be as a person. I love that. And, and choice is one of those things that, you know, there are people who believe that, you know, whatever happens to me happens, case or us or right? Whatever will be, will be. Uh, but I've always believed that choice and, and mindset, like you, you aptly put, it, it's got to be intentional, right? You can't allow, you know, the winds of life to blow you wherever, because then you're going to end up wherever, right? How intentional, how killer do you think we need to be um, when it comes to our choices in life? Should we just you know, allow the winds of life to blow wherever, or how much effort should we be putting into the choices that we make in life? I think it's important to be intentional, especially if you want, if you're a person of the perspective that you want to be in certain directions and end up in certain places and achieve certain things, then you have to be intentional. But then again, it kind of goes back to the thing. We all have different perspectives and some people are more comfortable in being more it'll work out no matter what happens. So if that's how they get through there, then that works for them. But I'm more type A, I'm a little OCD. I'm a little bit of perfectionist. So I'm very, try to be conscientious in 
want to achieve what I want to achieve. And partly maybe because of the disability, I've learned that in doing that life is a process and it takes me longer to do things. So that means whatever I want to achieve by this point, I have to backtrack and account for all the things that it's going to take to get that done. So I tend to be very methodical, very planned and very um, intentional or try to be. Now, I've also learned sometimes you need a little flexibility to adjust and pivot that plan to get there, but it still takes the intentional plan if you want to arrive at a specific or excuse me, exact destination. So I don't know. I, that's my way of dealing with life, but that doesn't mean that's everyone's day way of dealing with life. And if you do choose to have a similar thought process, then they would probably agree that you do need to be very intentional. Some people don't. Some people say that there's a method to madness. I don't know. Chaos isn't my friend. So that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that point. And how do you respond to someone who says, you know what, it's it's not even worth it because I've tried, I've, I've, I've gone that intentional path of, of mapped this up, then, you know, life just comes in and then, and then walks me off my feet, right? So what's the point? I mean, I'm at the point where it's not even worth trying anymore. I'm just going to let life take me wherever it wills, right? Because whatever will be, will be. How do you respond to that? I would first say, I could see where you would see that. You've had life experience that have taught you that. And you had hard earned lessons that has given you that perspective and you have a right to your perspective, but food for thought, just because we get docked now once doesn't mean there isn't worth trying again, if it's really worth doing and worth doing well, if it's something that person's decided they don't want to invest their time in, okay, fine. Maybe they're not meant to do it, but if they're meant to do it and they're called to do it and it's a purpose on their life, you can't just give up once or you'll never do get anything done. Mm. That is so good. I, I, I love that. I love that. Um, and if you're to look back, Michaela, on, on everything else that's happened um, to you, right, through the, the disability, divorce, and death, if you, if you have the ability or the power to change anything, right, and this is retrospective now, what, what thing or things would you change or do differently? I mean, that's like a catch 22 because a lot of times in life, what we would have changed would have taken us down a different path and we may not have ended up where we're supposed to be right now. So if you change it, you're risking changing the trajectory and the place that you're at now. So would you really change it? Um, I wish I had known some things differently when I was younger that may have caused me to handle things differently per se, but even then I would have made a different choice that may have impacted how I ended up. So do you really want to go mess with what was and what would be that's as a direct result of what was, I mean, this is getting really philosophical. So, which is fine, but it, that's hard to know. You can't know what you don't know. And that's why I think we, you know, what we did 10 or 15 years ago, we did what we did on what we knew at the time. And then, okay, we're this many years down the line. Like, Oh, I wish I'd known that then. But then if you had, you're what messing with beta and, whatever powers that be depending on your belief system. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. So when is, um, I know you've written of all the books that you've written, which one would you say is your favorite and why? I hate to say it. I really love them all because they're like my babies and my creations, but um, the one that I think really serves for getting my message and my own life story and message out the other ones are just various topics that are important to me and I'm passionate about, but the Now I See book is actually what talks about this whole journey that I've been on. So 
I think that would be most, I don't want to say beneficial, like the other ones don't have benefit to them, but more, I don't know what the word I'm looking for right now. I think it illustrates what I'm trying to communicate to people about my life the best, I guess I should say. Yeah, what inspired the title? Not now I see, right? It sounds like a, like an eureka moment, right? Oh, na- now I know this, right? What what inspired that, if you will, just sharing just the. Oh, well, now I see. I was blind at birth, and I mm. now I see the rest of my life, and mm. so it was literally talking about in the first chapter. It was giving a nod to that of being born blind, and now I see. But then also, oh, now I see. I learned this lesson, or along this juncture in life, oh, okay, I get it now, you know, all the things that we learn and and figure out and discover or whatever. Oh, okay, now I see that. That makes sense now or whatever, you know. It was kind of a dual purpose. (laughs) I I love that. And and as we kind of wrap up, uh, Kayla, I want to give you the last word here, but I want to talk about hope before before we end this session. But it goes without saying that we all need some type of hope, right? It only takes one to pay attention to what's happening in the world today to realize that their their hope is very much needed. Now, where people find hope, people find hope in, in all sorts of places. Um, that's fine. But um, how important would you say hope is right now for the rest of the world today and, you know, considering everything else that we're dealing with? It's always important. It's what people need, but it's. Ex- I would agree with you. The the times in which we live in, I guess, especially since the pandemic, I think it's become even more, I don't want to say urgent, but imperative or essential for people. Because a lot of people have been in a lot of desperate situations since the pandemic, at least as far as in relation to like current and modern events and what's in our current time, you know. Absolutely. And, and so now you have the, the, the plain canvas now, right? Speak to someone who's watching you or listening to you and who may be at the crossroads of life. And of course, people may be in different places, but uh, what do you say to, to someone who's listening and you know, haven't heard your story and how you're able to overcome all these challenges and still going, right? Still putting one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. and still hopeful about the future, still not allowing you know, all the things that happen to define you, right? Um, what do you say to them right now? Um, my, if I had to boil everything down to one thing, I would say, life is a choice you need to be willing to define it for yourself and don't stop don't give up and it's your one shot and do what you have to do to thrive also good thank you so much for Kayla for coming on the podcast and sharing your inspiring story uh, 38 triple d and uh, to our audience and, and for you who, who's watching uh, or listening i do trust that you've gotten um some inspiration out of making a story regardless of where you may be in life right now it's not over sometimes all it takes is, is the ability to get back and, and try again or to have a different perspective but whatever you do don't allow what's happened to you to define who you are life is all about choices so again thanks for tuning in and if you've not subscribed to our podcast on itunes uh, would like for you to do that and, and leave us a review this is really what it's all about right bringing hope bringing inspiration the world and I trust that some way somehow you've been you've been blessed and touched by by this podcast. So I want to say thank you and to you Michaela for coming on again and sharing your, your story. Um uh, say thank you and keep keep sharing it, keep believing because you're you're doing an amazing thing. You're touching thank you. Say thank you. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure is all Thanks for watching and until next time, stay well.